to Simply Christ. My name is Mark Shepard. I'm glad you're here. This is a place where we examine the teachings of Jesus Christ. He's our spiritual master. We want to be like him. So glad you are joining us. If this is your first time, hit the subscribe button. And if you are a regular, we greatly appreciate it. Also, check out our website at simplychrist.org. Also, our YouTube videos. And we're also on the Wisdom app, by the way. And if you've not been on the Wisdom app, it is an iPhone and iOS app only right now. But it is kind of a live radio show, so we are still working out how we're going to provide this on a regular basis. And it gives you the opportunity to participate, kind of like a radio call-in show, if you want to call it that. So check that out, and you follow, be a follower on there as well. Uh, Part of the audio is not too good today. It's because I am working just off my laptop. I am traveling. I am in central France right now in the Loire Valley visiting family, and I'm having to just work off my laptop, and the audio is not the best. I'm going to try to clean it up. You might hear some ambient noise. I think some three or four ambulances have gone by. I don't know what it is. It's been very quiet lately, but just when I start these, the ambulances to start going by. I don't know what it is. I was hoping to come to you from inside one of the old churches in this area that was built around the 12th century. It really would have been neat, but the weather has been really, really bad here. Lots of rain and just not been able to get out. I am going to be next week in an old monastery that was built, I believe it was, in the 11th century, maybe the 10th century. I'm probably off on my dates here, but it's very, very old, and there's a lot in this monastery here, and I'll be staying there for about a week and just doing some writing and putting up some finishing touches, or at least hope I get to the point where I put some finishing touches on a book I'm writing about the spiritual life. So uh, just it's going to be interesting and I'll be able to maybe describe some of those things. But we will have it on our video and our YouTube channel. So check that out as well. You're really going to be interested in what we show on some of that. So let's get down to exactly what we're going to be talking about today. But let's pray first. God, thank you for all the things that you do. Most importantly, thank you for allowing us to be made in your image It's fantastic, God, and we greatly appreciate that. Jesus, help us do that. Help us live in your spirit. Always in your name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. We talked last week on surrender and what it means to surrender, what's involved in surrendering our life, and how do we surrender? What what is surrendering? What's involved in the surrendering process? And we found out that it's about picking up our cross. And if we don't understand the idea of picking up our cross, then we've really lost the idea of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, because even Jesus had to do those things. Uh, We sometimes feel as Christians that all we have to do is just have this concept of believing Jesus and everything's fine, or believing in Jesus, I should say, and everything's fine. It's just nothing else is required of us. And when we die, we all go to the nice, you know, place with the halos and big wings sitting on fluffy clouds wearing ugly white robes. (laughs) No, okay, just, just, I'm just, that's just a joke. So anyways, just understand that there's much more to this. Paul says in Philippians, when he writes to the Philippian church there, he says, let this attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider his equality with God something to be held onto or grasped. And if Jesus did that, why in the world do we think we don't have to? I don't understand this idea we sometimes have in Christianity that we don't. There's no discipline needed. There's no discipleship needed, or if it's just some back word that we use whenever you know we need to talk about something in a, in a lesson, and we go through some course for about six weeks on the teachings of the church, and that's about it. So that's not what 
Christianity is all in the very least. So today, though, we are going to be talking about what are the benefits of laying down this cross. Jesus says, I want you to deny yourself and pick up my cross and follow me in Luke chapter 9. Then in verse 24, it says, for whoever that desires to preserve his soul will lose it. Yet whoever that might lose his soul for my sake, this one preserves it. So what does it mean to have a soul that's preserved? There's a lot of discussion as to what a soul and a spirit is. Some people divide it into body, spirit, soul. Others just say, no, it's just body and soul. The body part we understand, it's our body, it's our hands, our limbs, and so forth. The soul, to some people, is our emotions, our intellect. And then there's the spiritual person, the one that is either dead or alive, whether we're a follower of Jesus uh, or not. If we're not a follower, our spiritual nature is dead. If we're a follower of Jesus, our spiritual nature is alive. Now, there's other people who say, no, the spirit and the soul are the same. We can chase that forever. I don't know, and I'm not going to do this on this on this podcast here, but I want us to at least understand that what Jesus is talking about here really is a concept of both, I think, because we discussed this again in our last podcast, and that was this idea that we think that when we die, that's when our reward really starts, but that's not true. When we pick up our cross and follow Jesus, that's when our reward really starts. The full reward in the heavenly realms when we pass on. That's our full reward where we are with God fully and we're we're with him with no uh, difficulties and we're living that true ultimate peace that can only be experienced when we're next to him in that spiritual sense after death. But does that mean we're left empty-handed? Of course not. We're, we're, we're given something on this life. That's what the whole purpose of Christianity is. Christianity is just not about believing in Jesus. So when we die, we go to the good place. Christianity is about giving us something to live now at this very moment. What do we have? So what do we have? If Jesus says, those who might lose his soul for my sake, this one preserves it. Well, if we lose our our soul for his sake, we're going to actually preserve that soul. So what does it mean to do these things. First of all, it means we have to surrender. We have to give up everything. Again, we're not losing our individuality, but it's the revelation of our whole true self is. God is going to reveal to us who we are, who we are made to be. We find a new person within us. Remember, Paul talks about a new creation, a new creature. We're a new individual. Have you ever met a person who was a worldly person, yet they become a follower of Jesus, and they're a totally different person? They've been made new. Now, this newness affects them in many ways. The first one that we have is we discover perfection. Perfection is just essentially maturity. That's what perfection is. is it's about being made perfect. Listen to this. James chapter 1, verse 4. Be patience, um, or but patience rather, will have a complete work for itself that you would be perfected and complete and that you would be lacking nothing. What's lacking nothing? Lacking nothing means we are mature. We're not lacking anything. We're perfected. We're complete. James is saying that we have this because in the verse before, he's talking about adversaries. He says, you know, consider pure joy when you undergo difficulties and so forth and all these different sufferings. Why? Because you're being made perfect. And it says, But patience will have a complete work in itself that you would be perfected and complete and that you would be not lacking in anything. 
We go through difficulties that makes us new people, but only if we do it with the surrendering mindset. Many people struggle with it, and they they struggle with this because they haven't fully surrendered themselves. And so what they do is they find themselves always in a state of struggle, but they never seem to get over that. Have you ever run across those individuals? Yes, I'm struggling. I'm continuing to struggle. And they wear it as a badge of honor. But in reality, it's not a badge of honor if you're not learning the lessons from it, if you're not being made mature, complete, not lacking in anything. If you're not receiving those things, maybe it's because we haven't fully surrendered ourselves. The humble person, the fully surrendered person is a humble person. And when that person becomes humbled and when they humble themselves before God, God says, Now you can begin the process of being made perfect, complete, not lacking in anything. See, adversity brings maturity. Why? Because it tests the level of our ego. And it forces forces ourselves to take a backseat to the persecution, knowing that the persecution is shaping us. It's making us into a different individual. Look at the story of Job. Here Job was, you know, a, a good guy, a very righteous man. He loses everything, difficulty, and at the end... He gains even more things. But I don't want us to equate to think that if we pick up our cross, that we're going to get a whole bunch of new material things. That's not what God is promising us. What God is promising us is we're going to be made mature, complete, not lacking in anything. Matthew chapter 5 even describes this a little bit more. In verse 47 through 48, it says, If you pray for the peace of your brethren only, what excellent thing are you doing? Behold, are not even the tax collectors doing the same things? Be therefore perfect, just as your Father who is in heaven is perfect. See, the key to understanding all this perfection, you have to look at it. You have to look for the best interest of those who are your enemies. How does that work? See, we we look at that verse here where it says, Be like your, your, your Father who is in heaven. Perfect. But it says that word, therefore, that means looking back the few verses, says if you pray for the peace of your brethren only, what what good is that? Pray for those who are persecuting. Pray for the, 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 those who are against you. Why? Because it shows that we have a true, a true humility about us. It shows us that we have made, made we, we have picked up our cross. If we're willing to, the, if we're to the point we're praying for our, our enemies, That's a lot of humility there. I mean, even Jesus did that on the cross. Isn't that what we should do as well? Jesus prays for them. And we don't like doing that. We have this, we're we're adverse to doing those kind of things. Yet, but if we want to be made perfect, like our Heavenly Father is perfect, we have to humble ourselves. And then we start discovering perfection. That's what we're after. We're after being made complete, perfected, are we not? If not, then I don't know why you're wanting to follow Jesus. Unless you have the idea that following Jesus is just simply about dying and going to heaven. But I think we're going to be in for a rude awakening. Jesus himself says, you know, there's many of me, many people are going to come to me on that day and say, hey, Lord, Lord, did we not cast these demons out and do those things? He says, depart from me. Maybe it's because those individuals have this idea and this concept of, hey, all I got to do is just believe Jesus, son of God. Now I'm going to heaven. Everything's fine. I go live my life however I want to. That is the problem that we have in many of our concepts of Christianity or ideas of churches and so forth. Discovering perfection, that's one of the benefits of surrendering ourselves and picking up our cross. We discover this perfection. Now, if you want to see something that will really blow your mind, go read Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 through 9. Read that 
and then put that into the equation. And I want you to think about that. I want you to read it. I'm not going to read it. I want you to do your homework. Hebrews chapter 5, 7 through 9. Read that verse. When I read that verse, it started changing a lot of the things that I had thought of in the past. A little bit of homework for you. What's the second thing we get out of this? Well, the second thing we have, we discover purpose and meaning. Isn't that what we're after? Are we not after purpose and meaning? How many people in this world are looking for purpose and meaning but don't have purpose and meaning? Well, they don't have purpose and meaning because they don't have anything to latch onto. Or they latch onto the things in the physical realm. They think that the physical realm is going to give them purpose and meaning. Yet all those things don't mean anything. Look at Ecclesiastes. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes, he he goes through this search, and lots of people say this is existential search, and maybe it is, but at the end he discovers what really true meaning and purpose is. And in Ecclesiastes, he talks about people who build cities and buildings and done great things, but in the end, it's all gone. It goes to somebody else. You accumulate great wealth, and guess what? It belongs to somebody else when you pass on. So that doesn't really give us meaning and purpose. Unless our idea is that once we're dead, that's it. There's nothing else after that. Then even then, that doesn't even really give us any meaning and purpose whatsoever. Because so what? You gained it and you're dead. Still don't have anything. You enjoyed it maybe when you had it, but you sure had a lot of ills that went along with it too, right? So our true meaning and purpose is not in the physical realm. And Solomon discovers that because at the end he says, the whole duty of man is to fear God, keep his commandments. In other words, have this relationship with God, the spiritual realm is where the true meaning and purpose is. That's where those things are. That's where the true meaning is. In John chapter 3, in fact, Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus doesn't seem to understand these ideas, and Jesus tells him you must be born again. And He says, the wind, the place where it pleases, blows, and you hear the sound, but you don't know where it comes and unto where it goes. Thus so is everyone who is born from the Spirit. Why? Because God is directing our steps. See, it's God that's giving us purpose and meaning. It's the spiritual realm is where we find our true meaning and purpose. We go where the Spirit pleases. We're out there not, we're we're not trying to accomplish things. We go where our Father sends us, and we're able to relax in that. And our meaning and purpose comes from the Spirit. That's where where it comes from. The, The purpose and meaning in the world is because we accept there's a reality that we're living in is not in this physical world of the five senses or even in the emotional sense. I know many people who try to live their life in the emotional realm by how they feel. Well, your feelings are going to change, number one. And number two, your feelings are a horrible indicator as to what's real. Never go by what your feelings are about something if it's true. I feel something is right. Well, we have a lot of people who feel who are doing terrible things in this world based on how they feel. Don't go by your feelings on things. Counseling centers are full of people who are dealing with the lack and purpose and meaning in their life and any type of development because they're going on how they feel. They're living in a world of feelings. Purpose and meaning do not come from our feelings. It does not come from any of our senses. It comes from living in the spiritual realm. That's why this podcast is about simply Christ and making Jesus our master, because we want to explore that realm. And when we explore that realm, we discover the process of being made perfect, complete, our maturity. We want to be mature people. Mature people are not bouncing around like a pinball in a pinball machine going whatever direction the pinball is sending them. 
The difficulties in life sends them over here and they go from this emotional state to that emotional state or what they feel here. No, but what it means here when the wind blows and pleases us, our Father is not a pinball machine who's knocking us all over the place. He's directing our steps with purpose and with meaning. We may not understand it at the time, but that's where faith comes in. We trust our God that our God is leading us where we need to go. That's where we get our meaning and purpose, not from our jobs, not from our relationships, not from those things, but from the eternal, the the spiritual realm, the kingdom that lives within us. Again, we, we don't lose our identity because we're now one with God. We're with Him. We're operating in that. You know, I can't really think of the best example, but there's an example I, I, I've thought of in the past. And, and again, you can take any example and you can stretch it further than what really its intended purpose is. So don't do that with this. But have you ever seen a Siamese twin? I've, I've always wondered, you see Siamese twins, well, how do they operate? Who's in charge? Who's moving who? Is this individual moving this individual or this or is it vice versa? Who's moving who? If this twin wants to go that way, are there impulses going from their brain to this hand? But what if the other person wants to move their hand? And who wins in that? It's very, very odd to me when I see that. I've always thought that. I've always wondered that. Maybe there's an answer. I don't know. But when I think of that, I kind of think about, are we not kind of this this relationship we have with God where we're going with God moving us. God's taking us where we go. We have purpose and meaning, but it's in the direction of where we're moving with God and God is moving with us. It's kind of in that relationship. So again, don't stretch that too far, but doors are going to open for us. They're going to close for us, but we need to be willing to accept those things. The third thing we get is we discover true peace. Peace is within us. The kingdom of God lives within us, Jesus says. Jesus says, I give you my peace, not the way the world gives you, not the kind of peace the world gives you. I mean, the idea of the peace that the world gives is no conflict. There's no war. Peace is throughout the land. No, I get that. I totally understand that. I don't want to live in a war. Nobody wants to live in a war. But if we think that peace is the lack of some armed conflict, There's many people in this world today that are not in any type of armed conflict, but don't have any peace whatsoever. They're not living in peace. Jesus says, I give you peace. It's an internal peace. So what is this peace that we get? Well, first of all, we understand that living in this realm means that our emotions now are our, our way of thinking, our acceptance of things. We're, we're not an emotional wreck all the time. We're not living in a state of emotions or feelings. We're not, we're not woe is me and depressed one moment and going from that ecstasy of a high of being okay to the, the low of, the, of being totally depressed all the time. We're, we're living in a world of true inner peace because true peace is in the spiritual realm. That's where you're going to find true peace, okay? You're going to find peace in the spiritual realm. Because once you understand there's another reality out there and you're living in this other reality, when you're under, when we understand that and we accept that and we accept that God is in control and we surrendered ourselves to this process, we find the peace. That's where it's at. We don't, we don't have to worry or wonder where it's coming from. It's okay. We don't have the anxiety of what's going on. We can look at our past and say, that's in the past. It doesn't exist anymore. So we don't have to face the depression of the things that happened in the past. 
We don't have to have the anxiety of the future. We don't have to bite our nails. What's coming up next? Oh my goodness, I'm nervous. I don't know what's coming up next and live in a world of anxiety. So many people are living in this world of anxiety. You know, I can understand those individuals that don't have the peace of Christ living in them. But what about those people who claim to be Christians? Why don't they have it? They ought to. They ought to know better. We ought to know better. We ought to have that peace in us. Because that's what Jesus gives us. If we have truly surrendered, surrendering to Christ and who Christ is, but what Christ is doing in our lives, let him shape us. When we see the adversity that we deal with, it's okay. We can accept that. That's why, again, we look in James chapter 1. You know, count it all joy when you go through difficulties. Why can you count it all joy? Because you know you're being made perfect, complete, not lacking in anything. Well, a joyful person is a peaceful person, right? So we can find peace even in adversity because we know there's something bigger going on, a bigger plan, a bigger event. It's something that we're being used for. We don't see it. We don't understand it. We can't touch it. We can't see it. We can't feel it. And that's the problem. We live in a world of touching and feeling and experiencing through the senses. We don't do very good when it comes to anything outside of that. But the spiritually minded man or woman does. The spiritually minded man or woman accepts that and they go forward with it and they accept it and they say, hey, I'm going to go with what Jesus and where the spirit is leading me. I'm okay with it. I can go with it because I know I'm being led by something bigger and much better than myself. And that's where we can get the peace. We can let it go. We can relax, let it go. We release it. And when we we do that, we receive those things. Understand the idea and the concept of where our peace comes. Do you want to do you want to be able to overcome all this negativity in your life and find peace? Surrender it to Christ. You don't surrender it to the universe, okay? I've heard people say that in the past. You just surrender it to the universe and the universe is speaking to me today. I have no idea what that even means. I don't follow the universe. I follow the living God, the God who is alive and knows me personally. I'm not some element or some drop out there, some drop of an ocean who just, you know, is going to disappear into the ocean and become nothing. No, God creates me and you in his image with purposes and missions and reasons for existence to be made like him because he wants his closeness to us. And when we have that closeness, we have that peace. Our peace comes from the lack of understanding that God is living with us and is with us in all aspects of our life. We go through those difficulties with God. God goes through them with us. It's symbiotic. We're working together in these things. These three things, we discover perfection. When we pick up our cross, we let go of ourselves. When Jesus says we have this soul, we'll, we'll save our soul. This is what he's talking about. We're discovering this perfection. We discover purpose and meaning. We have true inner peace that means something. Jesus is saying, hey, those individuals who chase after those things, they're not going to find the true peace. They don't find true meaning. They don't find true perfection. And they lose their soul on that. Have you ever heard a person say they sold their soul? They lost their soul. They have no soul in them. What they're saying is this person is chased after things of really no meaning and purpose. Jesus says, give me, surrender to me, pick up your cross, be my disciple, give your soul, give yourself to me. I will shape you into the being you're created to be. And then you find perfection. You find truth. You find the reality of living in that realm that brings purpose. It brings meaning. 
It's something that brings true peace, true purpose, true existence, not anything that's just an empty shell of a life. That's why being a follower and a disciple of Jesus is what it's all about. Jesus wants us to become his follower. Discipleship is not a part of Christianity. It is about being a follower of Jesus. Check yourself. Are you being perfected in Christ? Are you discovering true meaning and purpose? Do you find true peace? Those are just three elements. There's many, many more. I lump those into three because three is a good number, I guess. It sounds really good to put it in threes, but there's so much more we can talk about. And there's so much we will talk about. So subscribe, share this with your friends, continue living the life Christ has designed you to live, and follow the Spirit wherever that Spirit leads you. God bless, and we will talk with you on the next podcast. We come from a very neat location. We'll describe it in our next podcast.